Hello and welcome to the Women and Money podcast, hosted by Fidelity International and This Is Money. I am Micah Curry, Investment Director at Fidelity International. And I'm Sarah Davidson, Knowledge and Product Editor at This Is Money. Today we're joined, remotely of course, by Alexander Jackson, manager of the Rathbone UK Opportunities Fund. She was appointed co-manager of the fund in June 2014 and named sole manager in August 2017. She joined Rathbones in January 2007, having graduated from the University of Durham with a BA Honours in Economics. Alexander is also closely involved with She Can Be, an initiative from the Lord Mayor's office, which explains to young girls what it is like to work in the investment industry and how their skills might match various roles. Alexander, thanks so much for joining us today. A pleasure. Thank you uh, for having me, Micah and Sarah. I'm really excited to um, have these kind of conversations about women and money. I think it's uh, even more important than ever now. That's for sure. So this is our second lockdown podcast and it's uh, been made possible thanks to Fidelity's studio team's brilliant remote setup. We are now utilizing the power of Zoom and we are talking to each other from Sarah, where are you at the moment? I am in the Cotswolds, uh, staying with friends and having a very nice time, actually. It's, it's been one of the joys of lockdown is, is how much time you get to spend with people that you love, certainly now that it's eased. So I'm in a bubble with them and their three children and their dog. It's idyllic. Although there are, there's the odd, there's the odd tantrum. So. Yeah, I can relate to that. Alexander, <laughs> where's your bubble? I'm at, I'm at home in Fulham. Um, I've taken over my spare room. Although actually, I've always worked at home a little bit, um, but it's a more it's a more formal setup now. Um, months and months in. What about you, Micah? I am in the spare room too, which needs to be redecorated. But I haven't really had the chance with us all being in lockdown. But yeah, that wallpaper will be going soon. Uh, we moved into the, the new house just literally a month before lockdown kicked in. So it was a good thing that we, we made it in time. Um, and I know you had a staycation in Cornwall last week, Alexander. Tell us a bit more about that. Oh, yeah, that was lovely. Um, I wish I could say we had perfect foresight um, to, to, to book a staycation for this year, but we actually planned the trip about a year ago. So I guess like a lot of investing decisions, it was um, it was really about luck for us. But it was lovely. Beaches were gorgeous. It was actually quite quiet. Um, it was nice to have a, a really different break. You know, Cornwall feels quite magical, actually, especially after months in the spare room. Oh, yes, that's for sure. We we went to Brighton just on the weekend and that felt like a complete holiday. Um, so we're all spending our time very differently and we're all spending our money very differently since COVID-19 and extended lockdown. And I guess the unexpected upside has been the ability to save some cash. Now, of course, I should caveat that this isn't the same for everyone. Many people will be worried about their finances, will be worried about the future of their careers. But for those fortunate enough to have held on to their jobs for now, the absence of the daily commute, the absence of the daily flat white, the absence of the holiday abroad, and so on, may have meant some savings. And and we may find ourselves thinking long and hard about the best way to put that money to work. Because really, uncertainty has meant just that. A lot of uncertainty, but also opportunity. As you mentioned, Sarah, the opportunity to spend more time with the people we love, the opportunity perhaps to change careers, or just to reprioritize. 
But what about the opportunity to invest? Now, that really is the focus of today's podcast, investing in uncertain times. How do you regain or indeed gain the confidence to invest when the world around you is shrouded in uncertainty, where market volatility is a weekly, if not daily occurrence? And before we get to that, I do want to talk about money more generally. I know we're not supposed to talk about money. It's a taboo, but sorry, not sorry. This is the Women and Money podcast, and we're going to talk about money. What has lockdown meant for your money? Sarah, on our last podcast, you mentioned that, in fact, lockdown has enabled you to get on top of your finances, to pay off that pesky credit card bill. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually a bit of a revelation. I've lived with a balance on my credit card since university, which I graduated from rather a long time ago now. So it was a real relief, like the weight off my shoulders, uh, being able to pay that off was just huge. Um, I think another thing, you know, my I am full time at the, at the mail, but I do the odd sort of extra bit of writing for like ghost writing. And I saw all of that go as a result of, of, the coronavirus so my income actually while my this is money income was fine um, and my job's been protected uh, along with everyone else's at the mail online group um, that sort of that extra playing money I, I have seen gone so I've had to adjust my spending habits accordingly and luckily obviously lockdown helps you do that without you even really trying um, but yeah, if there is that little bit of extra cash, there's. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of my friends about it, like what they're doing. One of my one of my best friends, she's decided she lives in central London. She teaches in central London, and she can drive, but she's never had a car in central London. And she has just bought her first car herself at the age of thirty six, because she was like, "Do you know what? Actually, what's important to me is to be able to get out of London at the weekends." Um, so that was an investment decision that she made to do with lifestyle. Um, I have other friends who have begun investing in funds in the stock market. And we get a lot of readers writing in, younger readers particularly, saying, I want to do this. I've got a bit of money. I've been living at home. I haven't been spending, you know, I haven't been going down the pub. I haven't been buying Pret-a-Manger every, every day. Um, but I don't know where to start. It's so overwhelming. And I know as someone who's written guides on how to, you know, get get going, it can become like very, very quickly, totally monstrous. You know, what's your wrapper? What's your platform? How did charges work? What's your behavior going to be like? And you almost have to know how you're going to invest before you start. Otherwise, you could get it wrong and then you're in a you're in the wrong type of platform with the wrong type of charges. And I think that is the thing that is the barrier to entry for a lot of people and something that, you know, I think we all in the industry have to work really hard to address. And I think that is one of the reasons why women tend to shy away from investing because for the very same reason that we, we don't apply for that job or promotion unless we tick every single box. We want to know everything about it, a, a topic before we take the plunge and, and it's similar with yeah. investing. And be sure, you know, and, you know, have have done all your research. And I think the thing about investing that's scary is that it's not guaranteed. You know, it can go up and it can go down, particularly at the moment when every day you see a new headline with stock market plunges, stock market on a rally. And you're like, whoa, I have no idea what 
what is influencing this and I think that's it's one of the one of the kind of key lessons if you if you're going to put money into the markets in some form or other then understanding that you're going to see it go up and down in value and that your priority has to be like right I'm just going to hold my nerve because actually this isn't about what my money is worth tomorrow or next week or next month or even next year it's about what my money is going to be worth further down the line. So Alexander I'm interested in in hearing your thoughts on this because as someone whose day job is investing you're a professional investor a fund manager in fact, invests in an area where uncertainty has been a fact of life for a number of years now. You invest in the UK, and we know that we, we've had the Brexit uncertainty, which of course rumbles on, and now COVID-19. How do you maintain a level head and invest in these uncertain times? Mm, that's, a, that's a really good question. I, I mean, definitely um, in the UK, I guess particularly, um, uncertainty has really felt like the watchword over the last few years, thanks to, to Brexit. Now we've got um, COVID, obviously. And sometimes you look back over a period of time and you think, wow, how did I, how did I make so many decisions uh, despite not knowing all the facts? And I think you're right about women particularly wanting to feel like they know all the facts before they, before they take the plunge. Um, so I think for me, and like a lot of things in life, the way I approach my professional um, investing is about, you know, keeping a cool head, finding out as much as you can, as you said, um, but understanding that you can never know everything and then weighing up the pros and cons um, and making a, the most measured choice that you can. Um, for me, it's kind of one step at a time, little steps every day, don't stop. And actually, I mean, women are brilliant at that. That is a that is a personality trait that I think a lot of women probably have. Um, and then I, I kind of, you know, I take a lot of advice from colleagues with with more grey hair than me. Um, and they always talk about other episodes of, you know, uncertainty and volatility that they've been through over the years. And there have been plenty. And I think the key message is that these periods have often as not been incredible buying opportunities if you have that long term time horizon, like you said, Sarah. Um, obviously, it's frustrating putting money into the market and then seeing prices fall immediately. But, you know, maybe even worse, it's it's not put it, pulling the trigger and then watching an incredible rally like you've just seen. So, you know, you've really got to focus on that on that long term. And, uh, you know, timing the market just right is very, very difficult. And, you know, I think some or most of the best investors in the world, they don't even try. What they do is to drip money over time into the areas that they like and then patience is absolutely key. And I think if you can try and think about what the world will look like in five years time rather than in two months time when we're all still desperate to go on a holiday or whatever it is, then, you know, I think we've, we've got to think about this, you know, this kind of transition period. It's going to be different. Yes, but the world is not permanently impaired. Um, so I think on a 10 year plus time horizon, um, you'd be surprised how much money you can make. And I guess I want to pick up on your point about taking advice from colleagues with, with a lot more grey hair than you. That is something I, I find quite interesting because if we look at the 
investment universe uh, or the world of investment, the world of fund management, there are not a lot of female investors who are household names. In fact, you know, if, if we we work in the industry, so we'll know a few names. Um, but if I kind of challenge people and I ask them, name me the female Warren Buffett, name me the equivalent of, you know, if, if I say, name me a role model in business, people will say Sheryl Sandberg, you know, science, Marie Curie. But in investment, there is an absence of role models. Now, if you don't work in the industry, um, but you do want to invest, where do you find those role models and how important is it to have those role models to gain the confidence to invest? I mean, I, I'd uh, go along to um, Vestpods events, which are brilliant um, and run by Emily Belle. There is, as you say, a real void when it comes to, you know, okay, um, lead by example. Where's my example? I don't know. I don't really know what to do. And I think um, one of the things that's really kind of overwhelming, actually, about getting started is that you want a bit of help. So where do you go? And the obvious and and right advice for, you know, an independent newspaper like us to to give is to say, go talk to an independent financial advisor because you will get good, you know, a good solid understanding of your risk appetite, what your goals are, and therefore, you know, some options for how to best achieve those goals, given your risk appetite and your lifestyle and everything else. However, the vast majority of advisors are in their 60s, 50s and 60s, and are men in suits. And it's just a bit off-putting and a bit, you know, as you said, just as, you know, at the start of this conversation, talking about money is a bit taboo. Talking about money with someone who's like your dad and admitting where you are is a really big ask for a lot of people. And I think that that's where, you know, normally I'm just like, people are people. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you know, you just get going. Um, that's how I've been treated most of my life. So I'm I'm very kind of wary about separating out the genders in that way. But I do think that that is a big difference for men and women. Um, so I don't actually have an answer so I guess to the, I, the question, but it's like, yeah. it's an interesting I guess two, one. It, it is. And there are two issues here that you raise, Sarah. The one is a male-dominated industry. So the investment industry is quite male-dominated. The advice industry is quite male-dominated. But there's also the confidence issue, women having the confidence to ask the questions, to have the conversation. So, Alexandra, I'm interested in in your thoughts as someone who's been working for a number of years in a male-dominated industry. Uh, How how do you navigate that? Mm. Yeah, uh, confidence is a really tricky one. And I think uh, often women aren't always naturally confident. And especially, as you say, Sarah, faced with, um, you know, the sort of alpha males in suits, it can be very intimidating. Um, For me, I have sort of built the confidence that I have now by building up my knowledge base and becoming more and more familiar with my, you know, my area of investing and and all the other things that, that I need to be um, confident about. So as you say, it's a lot about kind of education, you know, talking to friends about what they've been doing, listening to podcasts like this. That's brilliant. Vestpod is amazing. Um, there are lots of other well-researched, you know, blogs and articles. Lots of men I know, lots of my friends are, um, they do like an investing club, you know, like a book group. 
but I don't think I have any female friends who have an investing club. Um, that's an amazing idea. Yeah, we're too busy that in is, our book group, That's a really though. clever idea. Um, so I think it's something something about, you know, familiarity, becoming more confident in knowing what you're talking about. That comes through research. And then just talking about it more, um, being a bit more open with our, you know, friends and peers, um, to 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 just become more yeah more familiar with the subject matter and i think that they we we spoke a lot about you know lots of lots of male um, investors male fund managers male uh, financial advisors but also if we go on a personal level in in the household if i asked you did your mother invest did your grandmother invest did your aunt invest do do we have those role models on a personal level because as i always say if you can see it you can be it and it, it starts at home really so my um dad always did stock market investing and he's got like row upon row upon row of little black notebooks in into which he writes share prices daily of all his holdings and he's done it since like the 70s um from the newspaper i remember as a little girl like watching him do it every day and totting everything up and he started that my mum didn't she didn't have a clue but she was like I'm not having you in charge of all the money that's not that's not how this is going to work so she got him to teach her how to do it and now whenever they talk about their investments and they're both retired so they're quite kind of they're and, and they've got sips so they're very engaged in in what's going on um daily uh my dad's always like oh, your mother is so good at this and actually her investments over lockdown have performed better than his his have so i'm lucky in that i do have that role model and i do have that confidence um but i don't think that that is particularly usual for most people um you you make an interesting point there about your dad you know writing down the stock prices but what what i do find and you know which is quite common is that women run the household finances they are really good with money and they do the budgeting and increasingly they are the main breadwinners but men are still the ones who invest and and this is reflected if we look at HMRC annual stats on ICES and I, f- I find these numbers really interesting they get published in April and in August so the late- latest ones are out and this year we've seen subscriptions to ICES increase which I suppose has something to do with a lot of uncertainty around. And when there's a lot of uncertainty around, the natural tendency is to want to save, to to stash some cash under the mattress. But interestingly, and and in keeping with previous years, women overall hold more ices than men. So we save more, but and that's that's where the catch is. We hold more cash ices, whereas men hold more stocks and shares ices. So despite the fact that we've got the gender pay gap, that we take career breaks, um, that you know, all of that, we still manage to save more than men, which is pretty impressive. But we put that money into cash instead of putting it into the stock market, and I think that is where we go wrong. Uh, because we know interest rates have been at record lows and are probably likely to go even lower. So getting back to the focus of this podcast is how do we make that shift from cash to the stock market? Alexandra, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I think for me, it's about my goals in in life, my reason for investing rather than saving it, as you say, into a cash product or spending it. Um, so 
I always try and keep keep an eye on my goals. And I've got lots of, you know, sort of medium term personal goals, you know, along the way. I'd, I'd like to pay for my children's university tuition fees if that's the route they go down. Um, and then I'd like my mum to know that I can take care of her as she gets older. But kind of the bigger, broader picture is that I want to get more out of my cash than I can just by putting it in the bank. As you say, interest rates are super low. Um, and I also want to do it in accordance with my kind of ethical, moral framework, um, and it feels good to, to do that and to provide capital, so provide money, give money by buying shares um, or funds to companies that are changing the world for the better. Um, so for me, it's about, you know, keeping my eye on the, on the long term, not getting too buffeted around by the short term noise and really having those goals in mind as to why I'm doing this. It's interesting because when we often have this conversation about, you know, are women more risk averse than men? Why do we prefer cash to, to, to the stock market? And one of the reasons that is, is commonly given is because we think of money differently. We don't think of money as uh, our own. We think of it as something we share with our parents, with our partners, with our children. And the reasoning is if you think of money in that way, you would be inclined to take less risk with you. But what you've actually just suggested is turning that on its head thinking about money as in terms of goals what do you want to achieve what do you want to achieve for your children for your parents and then working towards that and realizing that in fact investing empowers you to be able to achieve those goals now a point I, I want to touch on is COVID-19 it has been criticized as reversing progress on gender equality for many reasons and a lot of women I've spoken to have said they find themselves in the role of a 1950s homemaker, <clears throat> they're juggling countless tasks and the last thing on their mind is investing. Is COVID-19, you know, an opportunity for us to really take control of our financial destiny? And, and also, Alexander, as someone who looks at, you know, what's happening in the world and, and looks at where the investment opportunities are, is this in fact a, a great opportunity to, to buy into those companies that will be the long-term beneficiaries of this changing world yes i think it really will um and technology i think is the obvious um area of focus here you know i talk to um ceos of la well large and small tech companies and they say we have compressed i think it was asos last night they said we've compressed um five years of sort of digital transformation into five months and um i think the ceo of microsoft said a similar thing so we're really seeing a very very rapid shift to people's spending habits being more online now um, and the and and you, you know you don't just have to think about the sort of amazons and uh, Ocados and uh, places like that you know the kind of obvious uh, i want my things now delivered to my house rather than going to the shops to buy it but you can also think about all the backbone to those um um, systems and services, all the software that is needed. Um, so the software behind Zoom and, uh, you know, all of those things. Um, and I think this will, you know, this will mark a rapid acceleration in a lot of those trends, which had already started. Um, and this is really just turbocharging them. So yeah, I'm excited about um, the technology space. Um, and it's, you know, it's a place where you you sort of know a lot of the the products already, you know, you know, Amazon, you know, Ocado, you know, Zoom. Um, so I think that sort of gives you a bit of a, a leg up in terms of confidence already. I think that's definitely true. My mum, when she first started investing, she was sort of, uh, I think it was in the in the 80s. And she went for, you know, 
an, a handful of stocks that she recognised. So she had Marks and Spencers because she knew by going there to buy our school uniforms or whatever that um, you know she had she had a feel for how well it was doing and and therefore sort of felt confident about um, having picked it. And you know she's like, oh, I don't like the range this year. Oh, I wonder how that'll affect, you know, the actual, you know, their sales overall. And I think that kind of way into it where you already have some knowledge of a company is is a really good way. I was really interested by what you said, Micah, as well. In fact, it was Alex Alex who said it. Um, that kind of setting yourself goals, life goals, and then and then doing achieving that according to your kind of moral, ethical code that actually I think that's one of the things that really has come out over the past five six months is that we are all reassessing what our real values are rather than just kind of day in day out rat race kind of scraping along getting through our lives Um, whereas I think we've lockdown has given us all time to think about who we are and what we want our lives to look like and that actually investing into that on a kind of you know outside of our micro family unit is actually like that's an amazing thing to do to say okay I really care about access to healthcare so let me find some companies that I think are doing an amazing job and there are so many out there because as you said you know technology investment has just gone into hyperdrive because of um because of lockdown so I think it has created in so many ways it's taken away our freedom but in so many other ways it's created this like huge change for well opportunity for kind of moral ethical change to really take root Um, and I think investing even if you put a pound into each thing actually and you start small you say I've got 50 pounds this month and this is what I'm going to spend it on I'm going to do supporting healthcare access for women in Africa or whatever. I'm going to support a wind farm because I believe in green energy and I've seen how much the air has got cleaner because people aren't commuting. So I'm going to support that. Um, I think that that's like a much simpler and easier way of getting your head around like how to start. And I guess realizing the power that your pension has in all of this. Because if you're not, even if you're not investing, you are likely to have a workplace pension, and and through that workplace pension, you are investing, and to really dig into that and where that pension is invested. And it makes such a huge difference. I mean, I think it was last week that the Nest, the government um, auto enrolment sort of default pension scheme, Nest said actually we're going to change our mandate and we're going to only you know we're going to pursue a green strategy with our investment funds and at that scale the difference that that money can make um, is just enormous and I think that that's we we sometimes make that there's a disconnect between you know what do I get from investing and what am I giving by investing and that 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 matters as well. So, as you guys know, I could talk about this for another hour, um, but I think to wrap it all up, if we think about investing and and kind of taking the plunge in uncertain times, can we 
turn COVID-19 on its head? Could it change things for us? Could it democratise investing? Will there be greater equality in knowledge, greater access to technology, which should enable women specifically to invest more? What are your thoughts, Alexandra? Yeah, I would really love to think that's possible. And, and you know, as you talked about, Sarah, I think in a funny way, the headlines and, and the, the, you know, some of the extra time that we've had around um, COVID may have actually, you know, it helped encourage um people to start investing. And I think the stats of people opening accounts and things have have, have borne that out. Um, and the, the trading apps, the kind of newer or relaunched trading apps, certainly make it a lot more accessible and, you know, can be a bit more bite-sized about it, for sure. But um, my only kind of caveat is that it can turn the, you know, what is an important role in responsibly allocating capital um, into something that feels a bit more like a roulette table. So I'm, I'm quite wary of that. Um, but we have all got used to, you know, communicating and collaborating and, and working so much better using technology. Um, and, I, you know, I'm using the some of the investing apps sort of in my, you know, the, the downtime that I used to spend commuting or um, whatever it is. And I go through research and I update my, um, you know, savings accounts to make sure I'm getting the most out of that. Often I do it on a Sunday night, you know, when my, when my girls are in bed. Um, it's sort of reduces the mental load a little bit as you say Sarah it can feel really overwhelming if you need to suddenly go from not knowing anything really to knowing enough to to invest your first 50 um but if you can kind of do it in bits and bobs um on the app when on the apps when you have a quiet moment then you know maybe that helps to reduce that um load and I do think you know like you said one of the best ways to get started is just to get started. Open an investment account and put your first 50 in, any amount really. It just, it really helps to keep you engaged and interested, unlike any amount of kind of paper research um, can do. I think making it real is the best way to get excited. So that's right. There's been a lot of focus on uh, self-improvement during COVID-19, what we can do to get greater balance, what meditation app you should download you know, baking at home, doing a bit of um, online boot camp and all of that, but very little conversation about the ultimate form of empowerment and self-improvement, and that is investing. And if COVID-19 has reversed progress on gender equality, because a lot of us might be finding ourselves in that 1950s homemaker role, juggling countless tasks, then now more than ever, we need to take control of our own financial destiny to talk about money, to get on top of money, and to take the plunge and invest. The dramatic market falls that we've witnessed and the subsequent recovery, which has been as dramatic, has shown that markets do recover. And while we shouldn't be trying to time that recovery, we should be spending time in the market. And I think that's been a lesson for all of us. Alexander, thanks so much for your time. Likewise. Thank you very much, Alexandra. And thank you for listening to the Women and Money podcast, which will be appearing every month on Fidelity. And this is Money's webpage. Subscribe to iTunes to get the podcast downloaded direct to your devices every month. For more information on how women can unlock their financial power, visit the Women and Money page at fidelity.co.uk. Please be aware this information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation. You would not normally be able to access money held in a pension until the age of 55. You've been listening to the Women and Money podcast. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. 
This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may no longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Eligibility to invest into an ISA or pension and the value of tax savings depends on personal circumstances and all tax rules may change. You will not normally be able to access money held in a pension till the age of 55. Reference to specific securities or funds should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities or funds and is included for the purposes of illustration only. This information is not a personal recommendation for any particular investment. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor.